Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Inside Groove Super Modified Podcast. My name is Tom Baker. This is episode 106, the Joe Paino episode. Fireman Joe Paino. Uh, I think we can, uh, when we get to the number 06 later on in what's in the number, I think we can safely say that Fireman Joe basically owns that number in Oswego Speedway Supermodified history. Um, I think Barry Kingsley used it when he ran the uh, 350, uh, which was painted like Joe's car. Uh, Old Chooch, the old green 06 that Joe had that he bought from Del Meeks, who bought it from Warnconium, who had it built by Kempton Dates. I think I have that right. Um so uh, we'll talk about Joe later on because um, Joe is a guy who deserves to be talked about. Um, okay, so uh, we've got lots to talk about on this show. Actually, uh, Camden Proud going to join us uh, in a little while. And Camden and I will obviously break down last week's racing at Oswego and the week before because we had the, uh, the last of the Oswego wing challenges for the year. Uh, and... So we'll talk about that race as well because we we didn't do a show uh, between the uh, the two weeks of racing. So um, we'll uh, we'll get caught up here, and of course we'll um, we'll start talking about classic because that's what's next. Holy cow! I can't believe the regular season at Oswego is over. It's unbelievable. Where has this year gone? Just absolutely crazy. I was driving to, had to go to Nashville last week uh, for some business. And I was, um, it's about a, it's about a six and a half hour drive, I guess, um, from where I am outside Charlotte to, to where I needed to go over there. And, you know, I'm driving and I'm listening to Kyle Petty's book. Um, I know this isn't a NASCAR show. It's a super modified show. It doesn't matter. We're all people. Okay. Racers are people. People have families and everybody has a story. And that's what's amazing about racing, right? So I'm driving over and I'm listening to the book and Kyle is, he did the audible version of his own book. If you don't know what audible is, it's an app that you can download for your phone and you can actually listen to books. So, um, I love it because when I'm on a car ride like that, if I'm, you know, by myself, um, it's a great way to quote unquote, read a book. And I love the books where the author of the book actually is also the, the one who does the, the voice for the book, who reads the book on audible because it's so much more authentic that way. And I have to tell you, I do not recommend that any of you read this book. Don't read it. Download Audible, spend $14.95. It's $14.95 a month. Download Audible, spend $14.95, and 
download this book and listen to it. On the way over to Nashville, I listened to it. I think I think I got through. Well, I'm not I, I didn't finish it until I got back here. It was so basically it'll take you a little over 12 hours to read um, or to listen to, I guess. Um, you don't have to do it all at once, of course. That's the beautiful thing about it. It just, you know, you can stop it wherever you're at and uh, pick it up right where you're you left off, whatever the next time you want to sit down and listen to more of it is. Um, I literally, in six and a half hours driving to Nashville, I literally laughed so hard that I was crying, and then I cried because this book... He, the emotion that he, with which he tells, it's basically his life story. It's, it's pretty much growing up petty. Okay. And the detail that he goes into in this book, the, um, the way that he tells the story, you literally laugh and you cry. Um, because of course he, he, he talks very candidly about, um, his son, Adam's, uh, life and and the accident and and um you know and, and and what that was like for him and the family and then you know when his when richard's wife when his mother died um i mean it it's gripping this this book is gripping but you the the problem with a written book is that yes you have words on a page and you can make words kind of emotional but it just doesn't have the resonance as when somebody speaks the story to you. Um, in this case, listening to him tell it is just way better. Um, I, I am going to buy a copy of the book because I want him to sign it. Um, and so, you know, at some point I'll figure out a way to get to one of his book signings or whatever, find a, an honor of copy because I, I just want it. It's, it's, it's honestly one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard. Um, and listening to him tell it was incredible. It is well worth the little bit of investment into audible. And of course you can get all kinds of books on there. Um, and I, so I, um, I mean, I've, I've listened to a number of books. Not all of them are by the author. Um, but uh, the ones that are, um, I listened to Charlie Daniels' book. Um, there, I listened to a couple of Daryl Waltrip's books on there. There, Daryl didn't voice them, unfortunately. But um, and uh, Junior's books as well. I, I listened to a couple of his books on there, and um, so it just. Um, it really uh, an incredible book. So I wanted to, to just tell you all about that right off uh, the gate here before I forgot about it. Um, if you if you have an opportunity, um, I mean, go ahead and read the book if you're a reader. But if if, if it, I think you would get way more out of the story if you actually download Audible and listen to it. Um, and uh, Audible, honestly, is is one of my favorite apps that's ever been invented because. I can be sitting working and just have somebody telling me a book in the background or, you know, I can listen to it while I'm walking um, on my walks or, you know, in the car or whatever. Um, it doesn't demand that I stare at a screen or, you know, at a, a physical book. Um, so it's a, it's a great way to consume books if that's um, 
what you want to do. And I think, uh, Kyle, that, that was just an extraordinary experience driving over there, just, um, kind of getting into that book and feeling all the emotion of it. Um, unbelievable. Okay. So moving along, uh, we did have two weeks of racing in this wiggle. And again, um, we'll, uh, we'll get into it in great detail with cam, but gosh, folks, um, track champions crowned, uh, I'll, I'll just kind of give some initial thoughts here. So super modifieds, Brandon Bellinger, congratulations. I believe that is the first, um, I think Eddie senior was a champion at least once. And I know Eddie Jr. was obviously Eddie B. So, um, Brandon, um, I think that's the first three generation set of track champions. Um, what an incredible year Brandon had. Um, he wasn't necessarily the dominant car every week. He was the most consistent. Um, and that's really, I think what got him the title is, is he just didn't have the extremes that, uh, uh, the other drivers had around him and that's you know that that that's still how championships are won in uh most of short track racing you don't have to be the best or win the most every week you just have to be the most consistent and so um but he did win a couple of races and you know i just thought he had a great season um it was it was great to see him win that there really was no you know you watch it and Sometimes there's a, a clear underdog that you'd kind of like to see, you know, come up and and um, and beat the favorites. In this case, it didn't matter. Everybody that was in contention for that championship going into the final night um, deserved it and d- deserves to be called champion because they are champions as people and as racers. So in, in, in my opinion, I, I don't think there was any... Um, you know, there was no one I wanted to win it more than, you know, any of the others. And uh, glad glad to see uh, Brandon get the win. Um, and uh, congratulations to Brandon and Eddie and Jared and Trevor and everybody else on the team. That was just uh, it was a great year for them. And, um, you know, you got to watch him in the classic. Brandon is sneaky. Brandon's not going to. Well, he did have the track record for a bit, but. You know, I don't think of Brandon as the guy that's going to just squat and kick everybody's butt every week. That's just, he's very, Brandon just appears at the end of a race and it's like, where did that man come from? You know, where's he been all, all, all the race, right? Um, I could see Brandon easily winning the classic with that type of a, an approach. He, like I said, he's just kind of sneaky. Um, now this year he's actually led more laps, I think, than maybe he has in some past years. It seems like anyway, he was, um, you know, he was a little more of a steady front runner. Um, and so he definitely, I think, uh, will have a, a good shot in the classic. Um, so congratulations to Brandon and to Jeff Abold on, uh, getting his second win of the season. Um, boy, man, I, We'll talk to Camden about uh, the latest update on his damage, but what an expensive night this this last week was. The last thing you want to see before the Classic is a night when you uh, crash a lot of cars, and we had it throughout the three divisions. Um, I don't even remember who all of them were that crashed. I mean, Camden stands out because um, that that one made me nervous. Thank God for the foam because um, that was a that was a hellacious hit. 
but you know there were plenty of other cars that got damaged across the board as well so just praying everybody can get them fixed for the classic i'd hate to see um see anybody not be able to run the classic uh you know after um having a crash like that so hopefully with two weeks everybody can get them back um 350 supers wow um again chase Locke. he's 16 he's got to be the youngest track champion in the history of the speedway right i mean if you don't count go-kart divisions right i mean who would have even been close to him in age that's to to win a track championship at the fast five eighths of a mile at 16 years old is just remarkable what a talent he is now Obviously, he didn't win the other night, but it didn't matter. He 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 had the war won. Dave Cliff won the battle, and man, I am so happy for Dave and Tim Barbeau and that whole team. They have worked so hard and been so close, and again, it was coming down to the end, and, you know, battle and battle, um, you know, and, and it's just like, oh, gosh, no. You know, as that was kind of one time when, you know, I know you're meeting and you're not supposed to be biased, but it's like, come on, David. I just want to see him finally get across the line. Um, certainly no disrespect meant to uh, either of the battles, but, um, you know, great to see. Great to see Dave get the win uh, and, you know, in, in, a, in a little bit of a shot in the arm going into classic. Uh, obviously, uh, Ryan Battle doing a great job to finish second and, and uh I think Ryan, uh, back in 2019, um, I sat in the stands to watch the, the actual classic race. I was in the pits for all day, all day and then came over for the feature just cause you know, you can see better from the stands and the pits. So, um, came over and sat in the stands and, uh, happened to sit next to, I think it was Ryan and his mom. I'm pretty sure, uh, unless Jeffrey has another brother, but, um, I think it was Ryan I was sitting next to and um, they were just, they were great people. And, you know, the battles are a great family. Very nice, very nice people. And boy, Ryan is doing a great job behind the wheel of the 21 and, and Jeffrey's obviously uh, Jeffrey's a, a tremendous talent. Um, so that was kind of fun to see that, uh, you know, again, that division, if we can get all the cars healthy, that division will will probably park at around 24, 25 cars, I'm guessing, for Classic. Um, I think you could see 24, 25 in that division with the New England cars that we would expect to come in. Um, that was just tremendous. It really was. Um, it, was it was a good race and um, just great to see the, uh, the class growing. Um, and uh, I, again, going into Classic, I mean, I think... You know, you gotta you gotta make the battles, and at least Jeffrey and Chase, I would say, are your favorites. But um, you know, I, I, again, it's wide open. You know, Brian Sobis, uh, I, I mean, he didn't have a great last two three races, really. Um, you know that that team, I feel like was they came out of the gate really strong. And I feel like the last two, three weeks, um, just things happened. And you know, that the other night he just wasn't competitive in the race. Um, you know, they, they, they just have missed on, on the setup a little bit. 
So I feel like they need to, to sort of do some digging and find their speed back going into the race. If they do, obviously, Brian can be as good as anybody. I, Brian is Brian is a championship caliber racer. He just needs the car underneath him. It, it wasn't awful, but it just wasn't Brian. You're used to seeing Brian, you know, second, third, fourth. I think he finished sixth or seventh the other night. Um, you know, they've had um, – some issues where, you know, they've had mechanical problems or whatever, just little, little things. Um, so hopefully they'll get that car, um, sorted out for the classic. And you, you know, you just, you could go right down the list. I mean, I think, uh, is close. Um, so, uh, I think, I think he definitely, um, has an opportunity, I think, if he can find maybe another 10th or two, but I think he's there. Um, so, I mean, there's, you know, and then you got probably cars from New England that I'm not thinking about that could be strong as well, but this is really going to be a, a, a classic race for the ages for that class, I think. Um, last year, they had a lot of cautions. I hope they don't have it this year like that. Um, and we had a surprise winner. I mean, we we would look would have looked last year at, at maybe Chase and, and Jeffrey. Jeffrey didn't have a good race. Chase, uh, I think Chase did end up up front. I think last year in the classic, um, but it was the thirty two car of Bobby Holmes who never even raced that car to Swiggo who ended up winning. So um, there are just a lot of uh, potential contenders. And, you know, a couple drivers, you give them an extra 10th or two, and they're going to be right there. So I think track starting position is going to be important uh, in this race. And, you know, hopefully it won't be quite as caution filled as last year's was. But that um, it looks like that's setting up to be a tremendous classic race. And in the uh, SBS class, um, congratulations to, uh, well, first of all, I mean, Danny Kapazinski got the win and the championship. I think he had the championship locked up in about June. Um, just uh, what a year. I mean, what what a two years for that team. Um, you know, it's, it's having watched Danny K race since, you know, quarter midgets and, and, you know, all of that era, Mike Rods or whatever back then when he was just a little guy. Um, it, to see him grow up in the sport and, do what he's done. You, you just, you know, we all knew years ago, um, the what year, 205 to 2005, 2006, whatever year it was, he drove the bliss car and what he finished fourth or fifth in the classic. I think, um, I mean, he drove the 85 car, you know, he, he wins in a street stock of all things, um, you know, and jumps into the a limited super at 15. I think it was Bob Andrews car. Um, and, um, you know, you, you just knew then that he had the talent to win. He almost won his first race out of the box with it. Evans Mills, um, Denny Wheeler ended up uh, getting into him and both of them went out of the race. I think it might've been the last lap too. I think Danny was leading, um, you know, that, uh, just, um, stellar Danny and the flak team, the chemistry they've got. And this year they added Mike Bond and, I don't know who else uh, to the to the team, um, and I'm sure Mike taught uh, that group everything that that they. I don't want to say everything they know. They knew some things before he showed up, but um, 
you know, but he didn't teach him everything he knows, I'm quite sure, because when Mike came out uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, Danny couldn't, couldn't, it, I'm not, it, it wasn't an ass kicking, but, but Mike certainly was better. Now he was on new tires too, so that might have helped, but we'll see what happens for the classic. I think, um, I think the, uh, the SBS classic is Mike Bond versus Danny K. That's your, that's your setup. Um, I, you know, I don't know that there's really a black hat, um, but, uh, certainly Danny K is the upstart and, you know, Mike Bond is, is, you know, at least statistically, you'd have to say he's he's the GOAT, right? Um, especially in the Classics. So uh, we'll see what happens come Classic weekend. But again, I would expect 20-plus cars if everybody's healthy. Would think we'd be over 20 in that division as well. And, um, you know, see if somebody maybe puts uh, uh, Russ Brown in the car, in a car. Um, Russ seems to always find something to drive. For the classic, Tim Proud will be back in the 54. So you got lots to think about there too. But this is, um, you know, overall, I mean, if you if if Mike Bond's not in a fire suit, pretty much, uh, you've got some guys that have been close. Uh, Griffin Miller certainly has been there, um, and uh, you know Ratcliffe's been in there. Um, you know, you've had two, three guys, but. This is pretty much Danny Kay's world in the SBS class right now, and everybody else is just living in it. Um, now, again, Mike Bond is is uh, probably the 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 guy that would prohibit me from from you know throwing uh, some money down on Danny Kay to win the classic. I think uh, you got to look at Mike, and you got to be wary of that because um, you know Mike is the guy. It seems like every year, no matter who does what during the regular season, Mike comes back for the classic and drives away like they're all running, you know, go karts against him. So um, we'll have to see what happens in in a couple weeks. But I'd certainly say that 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 uh, clash between those two, the opportunity is there for that to be a really interesting. Um, scenario and we've seen brian sobis in a car lately we've seen dave cliff in a car last week we don't know if any of those are classic rides or whatever but um so again you know the sbs always adds a driver or two for classic somehow so um you know it'll be interesting to see what happens but uh danny k and the flak team are amazing that that car just every week is the same no matter what it's the same and if it's slightly off, Danny K makes up for it. What a great, what a great season they had. Um, so we'll again, we'll talk more with Cam about everything and um, kind of get into more of a breakdown of the racing and and some of uh, what we know about who's been able to fix or not fix or you know what we think may happen uh, and start talking about classic. Uh, I won't get into the. Uh, I've already been way too long in this open. Um, I won't get into the 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 wing challenge race we'll 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 do that with cam um mike ordway jr uh again wow um good for clyde booth you know it's been a while since he's uh wanted a swiggo until this year and they uh set a track record one two races so that's uh it's pretty doggone amazing so we'll talk more about all of that and um and more as we go through the inside groove we're going to step aside and come back Uh, Camden Proud will join us on the other side. You're listening to the Inside Groove, powered by IPCIndy.com. Stay with us. Hey, here's a little fishtail for you. It's about a place named Skip's Fish Fry. 
Skip's Fish Fries, located at 42 West 2nd Street in Oswego. They're open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to 7. So don't call them on Sunday or Monday. They're gone fishing. They are open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to 7. They serve a variety of great fish, burgers, Hoffman hot dogs, conies, lobster, soup, salad. They even have cheesecake if you feel like some delicious dessert. I love their haddock pieces. That's one of my favorites. Uh, And they just have great food. It is the best fish in the Port City. I'm not just saying that because they're a sponsor of the show. It is one of the first places that I go to eat every time I'm in town. So call Skip's Fish Fry or go visit them on their website at skipsfishfry.com. And by the way, you can order online and just go pick it up. It's a great way to go ahead and take care of the not-so-fun part before you get there. And then when you get there, just pick up your food, bring it home, and enjoy. Skip's Fish Fry, 42 West 2nd Street in Oswego. Go visit them. Welcome back to The Groove, and joining us now via the hotline is Camden Proud. And uh, Camden, uh, first of all, we're just going to get the good news right out of the way here at the top before we get into the racing stuff. Um, it it sounds like uh, you're you're going to make it for Classic, right? We'll be there. That's great news. Very good. So the car not as, uh, quite as bad as you'd, you'd feared it was. And thankfully, all the parts seem to be available, so that's great news. I'm happy for you, and because um, uh, I, I wanted to see you and your dad run on the same weekend. I'm really excited to see that. I know you guys are, too. So um, good on that, and thank God you're okay. Um, that had to not feel good when you hit even with the foam, I would imagine. Yeah, uh, not great. It was kind of one of those things where, I was expecting the hit to not be quite as hard. And then I looked over to my left and the foam was right there. And I said, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> and it wasn't good. So feeling better now and just was sore for a few days. And I luckily bet. the car is built very safe. We spent a lot of time on that. And just so many great people that have come together already for us this week to get the car back together and, and make parts. Sean McGarry, Tim Snyder, Steve Wallen, Roger nice. Clark, Joe Hawksby, John Coloca. Mike Muldoon, Dan Connors, Eric Howell, Doug Didero. It's just the list goes on. The racing community, our super modified family really seems to to come together for one another in instances like this. So that's the good thing about it. That's great. Well, um, happy that uh, you're going to be back. And, man, you were running like a top before it happened. And, and uh, I think if you had any doubt, you shouldn't anymore, and nobody else should either, that you can go up there and race for a win. Thanks. Yeah, we did have a really good run going. It's just, it's too bad. It's probably our best run of the year. I think we had a shot at a podium and was yeah. working on fourth when that happened. So it's definitely got me excited to see what we can do for the classic and we have a really good classic car. So we'll just prepare ourselves as best we can and really looking forward to next weekend. Yeah, should be fun. Okay. So speaking of, uh, cars that aren't yours, uh, we had the wing challenge race a couple of weeks ago and, um, goodness gracious, Mike Ordway jr. Um, and Clyde Booth, I don't know where they came from. I was saying in the open that it's great to see uh, Clyde. He he went for so long with the Isma shows at Oswego without, you know, it's not that he wouldn't be fast, just thing didn't finish or whatever. Um, you know, and to, to see those two come out and do what they've done in this Wing Challenge series is pretty doggone impressive with a new track record on top of it. 
it's been fun to watch. Mike's a fantastic racer and, and a great person and he's worked really hard on getting that win at Oswego. It's something I know that he's been dreaming of for a long time and just kind of wanted to follow in dad's footsteps. And of course. Not even, you know, not even anything that's his his own doing. They've just had terrible results there yeah. the last few years, and that's just because of mainly mechanical problems. They blew an engine last year at the Cane of Wings, and to see him put the season that he has together, not only just at Oswego, but winning the high miler and yes. winning Berlin and, and now the wing challenge title and still has star coming up. So what a phenomenal season for Mike Ordway and Clyde Booth. For sure. Yeah. And uh, again, another another good race. Um, you know, I think the series as a whole, I, you know, as I, I said, I don't know that you could ask for much more than uh, what John Nicotra and the others put together. And um, I mean, yeah, we all like to have, you know, 30 or 40 or 50 cars. But I think I think that um, given the, the 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 situation, you know, with uh parts and you know just gas prices all of that given the 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 things that you can't control um we averaged about 23 i think for the three races and they were great races i thought um so i mean as far as i'm concerned that series gets two thumbs up and i think we've kind of figured out that um you know okay so it's good to have those races and and uh and you know we we would love every show to pay the kind of money those shows do but I think what we saw is that there's more to what's going on than just the purse size, um, which, in my opinion, I'm glad we learned that because hopefully it leads people to stop just focusing on dollars and start focusing on some of the other things that, that, that are reasons why we don't have more cars. Um, but I thought that I thought the series was awesome. And, and the racing I, in all three races, that was fantastic. It was. It was great. Every race was excellent. And obviously, you know, the potential is there for more. But yes. I think that overall, after year one, that John Nicotra and Isma and MSS should be thrilled with the results there. Yes, I and agree. Really, it's been a good year for Isma and MSS as a whole, all season. They've had really quite good car counts at every at every event. And nice to see them working together. I know Jennerstown got canceled, but that was co-sanctioned. The big weekend at Berlin was co-sanctioned. So, uh, a lot of good things are happening right now, and I hope next year it's going to be an even bigger year for Wing Super Modified Racing. Well, I hope so, too. I mean, next year will be the first year that Danny Sewell actually gets to kind of put his stamp on anything because, you know, he started this year after most of the schedule was already in place. And I I think Danny has some really good ideas and, and really good philosophies about what should happen with regard to the division as a whole and not just isma and so yeah the fact that um isma and mss are co-sanctioning again um is is a very positive thing and um hopefully that keeps up so that was a great series and i mean i can't say enough because i you know i've worked at tracks i've promoted events i know how hard that is and how much work goes into it and what john and and the whole group accomplished together was amazing so um you know thank you to all of them for the hard work that they put in to create that thing and um you know we'll look forward to seeing what happens next year because it sounds like um he's working on they're working on some things much bigger than what we had this year so um we'll see where all that goes um so let's get to to uh championship night 
because uh, I kind of gave my my thoughts on the winners and the champions in, in the open, but, um, you know, I, I, I want to go through it again with you and get your thoughts. And, and I think the biggest thing like I was talking about is, man, it was an expensive night for so many people. And it's like, oh, gosh, not two weeks before classic. So what, what are you hearing? I mean, you're obviously going to going to be back. We we had a lot of cars with damage. What what are you hearing about who is everybody going to be back? What are you hearing uh, off the newswire so far? I've heard pretty much everyone's going to be back. I know Schumann's trying, and none of the other cars were too horrendously damaged. Nick Kinney's was pretty bad. They're going to be thrashing on that. Lou LeVay Jr.'s was pretty bad also. Ugh. But I know they're both planning to be there. Good. And why does that always happen? It's like championship night every year is a crash fest. And really, <laughs> all season, with the exception of opening night, I think there was one night with the SBS where there was yeah, a lot they, of reps. Yeah, they had one, yeah. Right up until just this past Saturday, we've had a really pretty clean season with not a lot of issues like that and just yeah. so many crashes, but really violent, damaging crashes at that. So, yeah, not not really a great night two weeks before the Classic. Yeah, it was just crazy. And it wasn't, I didn't feel like, you know, it was because people were driving poorly or, you know, whatever. I, I, I just, it was... Just stuff that happens. I mean, like your deal was not even had nothing to do with you. It was a broken part. And, you know, that that's just uh it was just strange. I was like, Oh gosh, no, not not this again. Um, but uh let's start with the supers and you know, I, I talked about in the open Brandon Bellinger and, and I believe that's the first did Eddie Senior he did win a, a, a at least one championship, didn't he? He won three. Actually. That's what I was going to say. I, I had thought, but, you know, my brain is is getting a little less reliable these days. So I was pretty sure. So that makes the Bellingers the first three generation set of champions. It does. Yeah. And that's probably never going to happen again. So some pretty incredible history. Well, that's that. Now, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that, but they're probably I mean, if you think about who's there, um, well, I mean, I suppose if Michael Muldoon and then he had a kid, um, but he's not even running regularly right now. So you're right. right. That may never, ever happen again. Just an incredible. Uh, I thought it was a great season for Brandon. And, and you know, one of the points that I made is, you know, Brandon is sort of sneaky. Brandon's not a guy that when the race starts, you you necessarily, you know, focus on him to watch him go to the front or whatever. He's a driver that just seems to be there at the end when he needs to be, um, you know, unless it starts up front, of course, but um, like he's, he's a very smooth and consistent racer. And I think that's what won him the title this year is he didn't seem to have the extremes that some of the other guys did, you know, where he had motor problems or crashed hard a couple times or whatever. I think he pretty much finished uh, almost every race, I think, but maybe one. Um, and I think that's really what, what did it for him besides his two wins. Right. Yeah. Brandon drove a really smart, consistent season. He did get a top 10 in every single race and actually a top five in seven out of eight races. There you so go. That's what they, I thought. They really deserve that this year. They really earned the track championship and he's always been a good, smooth driver. They're consistently fast, but yeah. he also consistently keeps out of trouble. He keeps his nose clean. Yep. He doesn't overdrive the car when he's better than the guy in front of him. He's able to make a pass and is capable of driving up through the field. But 
you're right. It's kind of like sneaky. You don't expect him to start 12th and just no. put on a clinic and be to the lead and in right. 15 laps, but he's always there at the end and really got rewarded with probably the best season of his career. Well-deserved track championship for the Ballinger team. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, you know, I think we get to the classic later. Uh, that's, you know, again, that kind of a driving style lends itself to classic wins. And I think this year is the best shot he's had to go and win the classic. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just pretty, uh, it's pretty incredible. They had a great season and, and very happy for them. Um, cause again, they, they have worked really, really hard and, you know, and, and earned, uh, what they've gotten. So, um, and, and then I think the guy who finished second, it was like, you know, if, if there was ever a time when, you know, maybe you want a certain guy to win a race, I was talking about this earlier. Media is not supposed to be biased, but um, gosh, Ryan Locke, um, you know, love seeing Jeff Abel win again, but I'm just as happy or happier for Ryan Locke to finally finish a race and, and, uh, and, and stand on the podium and, 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 you know, have something good to smile about after the season he's had. Ryan's had a real tough season and we've pitted next to them every week and they're just such a good family, Jeff and Kenny and, and both the kids there and, and Jeff's wife, I've just, I've enjoyed spending time and talking with all of them and um, really hard working bunch, very yeah. passionate, uh, very classy, handled themselves very well. And I was talking to Ryan uh, before the feature and just about his season and how they've been looking for more speed. And he had said earlier in the night, Hey, we've, we've had problems every week. We haven't got anywhere near the 15 second bracket. We yeah. don't have good speed in the features. And then lo and behold, 16 <laughs> flat in the time yeah. trials. He had a really good run in his heat race and, I told him, I said, hey, we're starting up front. It's all about the start we get and just getting that clean air. And we both got a good start, and he almost got it. I would have loved to see it happen. But what a great run for and a great night for the Locke family with the track championship for Chase and then the first super modified podium at a swiggle for, for Ryan. So that was cool. Yeah, we'll get to, to Chase, obviously, in a bit. But, uh, yeah, it was great to see him uh, pull that off and uh, go ahead and run down the finish for the super modified race. Oh, just a second, Tom, because you have me sleeping here. <laughs> well, see, that's what you get. You come on the show, you got to be prepared. No, I'm just kidding. Got to come prepared. You got to come okay. prepared. Dave Danzer was third. I'll help you with that. Yep. Jeff Abel was first. Ryan Lack <laughs> second. Dave Danzer third. Brandon Ballinger fourth in the 02. Fifth, the 01, Dan Connors. Sixth, the 14, Joey Payne. Seventh, the 90, Jack Patrick. Eighth, the 98, Tyler Thompson. Ninth, the 75, Brian Osetic. Tenth, the 83, Lulave Jr. Eleventh, the double zero, Joe Gozik. Twelfth was myself. Thirteenth, the 94, Logan Ray Bells. Fourteenth, the zero, Tim Snyder. And fifteenth, the 95, Dave Schulich. That was some early race drama. Not the way he wanted to see his <sighs> title hopes all. end. No, not at all. And And, you know, we know... We know Dave's going to be back and ready for classic, but that's yeah that that was tough. Um, the uh, and I feel like we should also throw Dave Danzer some props because he's another one that you just you don't always necessarily think about. All right, Dave's going to blast through the field with a race, but he's another one that seems to be peaking at just the right time going into the classic. And I almost feel like in a way. There have been a couple of those classics where he's been fast enough to contend, and I feel like, I don't want to say it owes him one, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him contending for the win in the classic. He um, he drove a great race to 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 uh, finish on the podium. He did, yeah. That wouldn't surprise me at all. And 
the lap that he put down there, fifteen five, and Tyler also was like, "Holy, holy, holy!" I, oh, did Danzer where, run? Where I are didn't we know Danzer. Three tenths. We were fifteen nine, and it's come to the days where you pull in the pits and you're ticked off because you ran a fifteen nine. Uh, see, <laughs> I these didn't... guys are turning fifteen five and six. So, uh, yeah, just there was a lot of speed in the track Saturday night, and Dave also has a brand new. I think it's a level motor, and that's a, obviously a really good piece he's got. So they're yeah, they're peaking at the right time. I did not know he ran a five. I I I knew Tyler did, but I didn't know Dave also ran a five. So we had yes. two cars in the fives. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you just you just gotta shake your head. I mean, when I was when I was going to the track, they had that that rule about turning time and, and warm ups, and I think it was nineteen five. You had to turn, and and now we're four seconds faster. It's. Uh, that's, I mean, if you break that down, that's an average of about 10, sec, uh, 10 seconds, no, sorry, one second a year that we, that mm-hmm. we've, you know, uh, or every 10 years, uh, however that works out. Yeah, I think it was one a second every 10 years. And you can almost kind of break down where it, it happened, you know, as, as the car, you know, Jimmy brought the offset out, went 17, and it was, you know, so just um, unbelievable to, to, to see two cars in the fives, and it just makes you wonder, I mean, how much more can we get out of the... <laughs> Hopefully not much more. I'd be I hope they not. slowed them down. But... Yeah, I would too. Cause, and again, like you said, it's ironic because 59 is amazing. That's a, that's a, but, you know, you can't really race at 15.5. So it's kind of one no. of those, you know, it it's, it's almost, you got to just sort of put that out of your mind. Cause, and that's the other thing is like, I, I, and I know that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sort of playing the part of the old curmudgeon when I say this, but I kind of I kind of hate that we can break a track record every week because part of classic time trials always used to be when we get a track record and it was the only right. time all year that they time trial. Now we do it every week. And it and I think it, it sort of takes away a little bit from the the drama of the classic time trials because anymore um I mean it's great yeah, I'm sure, obviously, if you're a driver, it's great to start on the pole. But from the fans' point of view, I'm not sure it makes a lot of difference, especially at this point where we know everybody's going to start the Classic. There's no drama about, you know, um, about making it in. So, right. um, you know, it's interesting. But I, I, that is, I just, 15-5 is astounding. I, I never thought I would see that without a top wing. And, you know, here we are. Um it's just it's it's amazing and as a driver i i just have to believe like you said you come off in 59 it's like we're four tenths off you know (laughs) yeah it's crazy that was uh it is crazy normally it's been you're 159 you're really good but those guys just found a little more last week i guess incredible yeah i think there was three cars in the nines two in the sevens one had a six okay Bellinger had an eight and then two fives wow yeah see i i didn't actually i didn't tune in flow i would i didn't get didn't get uh, flow on until after that was over but i all i saw online was tyler thompson's record and even that was like i looked at it i had to look at it a couple times to believe it it's like good grief a five um so that's amazing but um yeah i mean i i feel like uh you know it'll be interesting to see where we go we'll get to a, a bit of a classic preview in a bit with the super modified division um in terms of who's there and who's not there but um uh, let's go to the 350 class. Um, and, you know, again, as I said in the open, um, Chase Locke, 16 years old, track champion at the Oswego Speedway. 
um, I I would wonder um, who was the youngest track champion in Speedway history before him, and the only one I could think of was Doug Hevron. Yeah, Doug Hevron was the youngest before him at, at 20. 21, I think. And Anthony Lacerda was also 20, but Doug was, was a little bit younger, okay. and now Chase has far surpassed both of them at 16. That's a, it's just, I mean, that what a, what a crazy, um, good season he had. And, and again, it's not like he's, he, he has, you know, miles more speed than anybody. He just was driving his way to the front and he could run both grooves inside or outside with basic, you know, with, with the same sort of competency. It was incredible to watch him this year. It has been. Yeah, he can just flat out drive and yeah. it's it's not like you said that he is all that much faster. There's a lot of fast cars and a lot of talent in that field and he's just really outdrove yeah. all of them. Yep. Yeah, and That's, it's it's gotten to the point, Cam, where like I was talking in the open about how, you know, like Brian Sobis the last, you know, couple three races, it's not that he's been awful. He's just been off a little bit. But we we've grown the class to the point now where a little bit is everything. He was what sixth the other night and you know, he wasn't really competitive for a win. Um, you know, it was just amazing. Uh, it's, it's amazing how that class has grown and yet chase is able to stand out just on, I feel like on his driving alone is what got him that championship. It was really, a. Um, it's been an amazing thing to watch him, uh, really since he got there because he's been in the, I think he's been on the podium more than he's been off it. Um, which is amazing in a class that's that competitive. Absolutely. Yeah, really. He's, he's in the top five, eight of 10 features, top 10 for all 10 features, four wins. So it's, it's actually pretty incredible that Brian Sobis was consistent enough to even make it. 56 point difference it was a bit closer yeah going into championship night but what a tremendous season and and 16 i still i can't get over that i, know. I just can't get over <laughs> that and that's probably another record that will never be broken well i don't know about that um i i mean because you, you got to figure that that division is going to attract younger and young you know younger drivers um all, all along and so um, maybe Talon Hawksby next well, year. Well, see, that's what I was going to say. You take somebody like Talon, who's 15, um, you know, or, or you know, would a Swiggo like a 14-year-old start that class? Because then, you you know, you could be 15 and win the title. I mean, um, I, but but just the fact that he did it the way he did it, it's amazing. And, and uh, Dave Cliff, I was so happy to see Dave finally get a win him and Tim Barbo and that group have worked so hard this year to, to get the win. Um, and last, you know, uh, and boy, to, to finally do it, it on championship night, right before the classic has to be a real shot in the arm for that team going into the big one. Yeah, that was great. I was so thrilled for them both and just, you know, ran down there really exciting victory lane celebration. And Dave's as good a driver as anybody up there. And- yeah. You know, he's won everything there is to win in the SBS. He's been close to big block super modified feature wins. And I just really wanted to see him get a super modified win. And, and Tim Barbo also, he's so passionate uh, as a car owner and yep. a fan of the Speedway and, and somebody that's done so much for the track over the years. You don't find, you know, much more of a dedicated guy than Tim and, and a much better driver than Dave. So it's, it's about time. They were, they were close for a long while here the last two years and, Finally, everything came together last weekend, and that was fantastic to see. 
It occurred to me that if David known that all he had to do to finally win a feature at Oswego in the 350 class was get married, he might have done it sooner. <laughs> I know. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he needs to keep her because uh, that was a that was good. She's good luck. Uh, but um, no, that that was a it was a great night for them. And, and, and again, you know, we we keep talking about how competitive that class is. Um, and you got a whole other, you, you know, it's like battle coming up through the field. Oh, wait, there's one in second, too. <laughs> right. Know, I know like, it. <laughs> you know, a pair of battling battles. And, and uh, you you really, it's not a stretch to envision that it could come down to the two of them, um, you know, for the classic. And uh, I don't I don't know the degree of Ryan's racing experience, but it seems like he's gotten a whole lot better in a real hurry. Um, and, and, and it and appears to be basically every bit of a, th- of a threat that Jeffrey is. It sure seems that way. When I was down in, in victory lane, I was talking to Jeffrey and I said, what, what is the extent of his experience? And he's like, well, this is his second time here and only his fifth or sixth three fifty race. And I don't wow. know what he did before that, but he already won a star earlier this year. And then, the photo finish there i don't know exactly how close it was but it was close he he beat his brother by a nose yeah the line and i don't i know in the 350s it's the first pair of brothers to be on the podium but i don't i don't know has that ever happened before except maybe mike and bob bond in the sbs father son we've had well, it with ray and cody graham but i don't know about brothers on the podium yeah, I mean, you'd you'd have to think, uh, go back and maybe check like Freddie and Ronnie Graves, or you know, you you you're probably going back a while. I don't know. I feel like the SBS. What we had, a, we had some Bartlett's, right? You had Brian. Now yeah. wait a minute, Brian and and uh, the Haynes brothers, Brian and Brad, weren't they first and second one night? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's another one. Yeah, that's another one. Yep. But that's still a rare commodity, and I hadn't thought of that yeah. either. Um, and certainly they're the first, as you said, the 350 class, but uh, just extremely uh, great performance, I thought, by Ryan. And, I mean, Jeffrey, you expect it, but, um, I, you know, just didn't think Ryan had that much experience to be able to run like that. And he did a real nice job. And, and again, just adding more depth to the class. And, and uh, I can't even imagine what that classic race is going to be like. It's like I talked about earlier, the fact that, you would say, well, Chase and Jeffrey would probably be your two favorites. But, you know, last year you probably would have said that too. And all of a sudden here comes the 32 car with a driver who's never been in the class before and goes out and wins. So, um, you know, I, I, I feel like this, this is a bit of a crapshoot for the classic in this class, but, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a whole lot of fun to watch. I know that. So uh, give us the rundown for uh for this race sure first the 50 dave cliff second the 21 ryan battle third the 14 jeffrey battle fourth the 26 josh Shakolik. fifth the 08 dalton doyle sixth the 23 jason spaulding seventh the 88 chase lock eighth the 20 kyle perry ninth the 31 nick barzee tenth the 22 mike bruce 11th the 45 brian sobis 12th, the 4, Robbie Worth, 13th, the 99, John Tesserario, and 14th, the 97, Vern LaFave. So Mike was another one, Mike Bruce, that um, got into uh, a wreck. Hopefully he'll have that car back out. Uh, what are you hearing about his situation, if anything? 
he well he ran the feature actually and oh that, that's that right he did run yeah that's right race, yeah so, he did yeah so he'll be good he did run yeah i forgot about that he did start the race um so yeah and then uh we get to the sbs class and um <laughs> i mean you know it's it i i said earlier in the show that you know for the most part except when mike bond showed up that one night this has been Danny Kay's world and everybody else has been living in it for a couple of years. It is just unbelievable. The performance week after week after week, the consistency of that car and, and the crew, um, you know, having it on the money and then seeing um, again, Dan's another one. He doesn't take a lot of risks. He doesn't put the car in bad places. Um you know, I mean, it. they're just on fire right now, and I feel like, yeah, we could talk about a lot of other people that could be fast to win the, win the Classic, but again, I feel like this is Clash of the Titans to Mike Bond versus Danny Kay. Probably, yeah, it probably is going to come down to that, and um, just everything's gone his way. Not only have they been so good, they've been really lucky, too. They've had a lot of luck, and yeah. um, last week everything fell Danny's way again. And Griffin Miller had that in the bag with some oh, good moves in yeah. traffic. He, he earned the win with his, his move in traffic yes. there to go three wide and keep the lead. And then with a lap to go, you know, coming to get the, the white, yeah, the hard crash over there between the wrench and, and Schumann and turn four. And that just changed the dynamic completely. And Dan was able to get by him on the restart, but that, that car just fires so good on, on the restarts and, he can put that anywhere on the track that he wants. Yeah. It just looks like it's a, a dream to drive. Well, it looks like this. It looks like Mike Bond's car. And yeah, you know, with Mike working on that car, it's like I said earlier, I, I, I'm sure Mike taught them a lot of things. We didn't teach him everything he knows. <laughs> I'm just, right, I'm right, sure right. that's the case. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, and again, you say, well, you know, Griffin earned the win and he did, there's no question. However, um, you know, once you had that that caution and there was a restart and this is, you know, when you talk about favorites for a race, you got to take all of that into account. And it's like, you know, when you when you get Danny Kapazinski next to you or behind you, he eats you alive in a lap and or two. And it's like, you know, it only it only took that restart for Danny to get the win and it and um it's so it's not, I'm not trying to disrespect Griffin or, 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 you know, Ratcliffe or anyone, but like, gosh, that 23 car, I feel like it's going to come down to the 23 and the 74, unless something happens to either of them. And, um, and, and I hope this time that uh, Danny can give him a better run for his money. Cause that could be a really <laughs> exciting, cause you know, there's going to be traffic in that race. Cause we're going to have enough cars for it. Um, you know, that could be a really interesting race. We're used to Mike just sort of getting the lead and running away. Um, I feel like Danny's got the speed. If, um, you know, if, if he can get with him and, and they start running through traffic, this could be a really interesting classic race. The, the traffic's going to make that race fun yeah. because we're going to, we're going to start them all. And I think right now we're between 26 and 28 cars. Okay. So it's, you're definitely going to have a lot of traffic yeah. and you're going to have a few more guys that aren't out all season. Like you'll have the 77 row, the 37 Barrett. My dad's going to race. Yeah. Um, so it'll be nice to have a few more cars that can maybe not necessarily blow past the 74 or the 23, but 
you know, pulled well enough their own to, right. to keep them behind them for oh, a while and yeah. make it a more exciting race, put the pressure on those two top guys. And we'll just see how it all shakes out. A lot can happen going through traffic in that race. <laughs> see, if I was the promoter, I would be offering the two of them um, a, a, a little extra money if they will start in the back. Because um, to me, I think that makes the race right there is watching the, those two have to come from the back of the field. Um, I'd, I'd actually set up a, a bonus if, if they would uh, start in the back and win. Um, and it would be interesting to watch. And because, because again, like you say, you know, if, if, if some of these other drivers start in front of them, then it could be, you know, real interesting. But if you get the two of them, say, in the front row of the first two rows, you know what's going to happen. It's going to be they're going to they're going to get out and get gone and then they're going to settle it among themselves in traffic. So it'll be real interesting to see how this this shakes out in the SBS class. But my gosh, man, congrats again to um, to that entire flak team and Danny Kay for just really two years of of incredible uh, performances and consistency and you know you just don't that they've dominated that class about as well as anyone could um you know over, over a two-year span and uh doesn't show any signs of stopping i don't know what the plans are for next year with them i know that you said they had a 350 uh i you know i don't know if they would keep doing both or whatever but um you know certainly would love to see danny k in a 350 car what he could do in that yeah, it sounds like they're planning to get that 350 together and wanted to for classic, but have a lot going on with uh, Steve's dad's been sick. He's out of the oh. hospital now and back home, which is really good news, but good. Um, just God. didn't have the resources to get the 350 done. But I definitely like to see him move up and see what he can do in the, the 350 class. For sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, I, I want to see him. I want to, I want to see him be in a position someday to get into a big block super and go win a, a, a big block super modified uh, classic or, or, you know, big block super modified race. Uh, Danny, that, you know, growing up, I mean, this again, like a lot of the other guys there, uh, not, not uh, certainly including yourself. I mean, a swing of speedways, everything, you know, he can go race dirt. He can go, you know, do whatever. But at the end of the day, we both know where, where his, his heart is. And so, I that's I've been thrilled to see a success the last two years and uh, hope that they can do the same thing in the 350 and maybe somehow someday um, he gets a, a shot on the top top big block car to be able to go win some races too. So uh, go ahead and give us the rundown for the SBS finish. Yeah, Danny Kay went in the seventh of the season. Griffin Miller in the nine was second. Third was Tony to Stevens, which is nice to see him get his first podium. Great run, yeah. Had a lot of speed in the car earlier in the night, turning 18-8. So, uh, capable driver, capable car. Nice to see him get on the podium. Um, fourth to 72, Drew Pascuzzi. Fifth to 66, Derek Hilton. Sixth to double zero, Jude Parker. Had a great run going, and then a parts failure on the last restart there. So, ended up losing his place on the podium, but. Good job by Jude this season. Uh, seventh, the 62, DJ Schumann. He'll be credited with Rookie of the Year. Eighth, the 04, Robbie Worth. Ninth, the 27, John Carson. Tenth, the 01, Greg Richardson. Eleventh, the 90, Greg O'Connor. Twelfth, the 86, Brian Haynes. Thirteenth, the 22, Ryan Gunther. Fourteenth, the 2, Jordan Sullivan. Fifteenth, the 35, Dave Cliff. Sixteenth, the 49, Josh Wallace. Seventeenth, the 93, Dan Brown. 
18th to 73, Noah Ratcliffe, and 19th to 37, Jesse Barrup. And what a terrible night for both of them to be out of it before the, the race even started there. Yeah. Do we, did you, do we know what happened? I saw that happen with Noah, and obviously he's not a guy that, that normally crashes a car. I mean, it, it did something break or what? It was a weird looking, like the thing just, just hooked on him and he was able to stop it but of course you know in that position you got guys side by side and you know there was um no room to avoid um what, do we, what did you hear anything from Noah or know anything about what happened to the car yeah Noah just got sideways coming out of turn four and wow overcorrected and Jesse had nowhere to go okay yeah, I mean, that's too bad. Uh, hopefully, again, both of them, and there were a number of guys. You mentioned uh, the wrencher. Um, good grief. Uh, again, just super hard hits. Uh, hopefully, everybody is able to get back for, for Classic. What are you hearing about? Because uh, I feel like we tore up about a quarter of that field or so um, Saturday night. I know that Robbie's car is already repaired, and DJ, they're working on it. No other working on it and should be in good shape, but Honestly, we'll put Noah in our car if he doesn't get his fixed in time. He's a great shoe. Yeah, really. Uh, well, that would be that would be uh, generous. Um, now, but but he, there is that 350 Super that's out there too. Does he go run that for Classic, or is that going to wait till 23 for him? Well, that's what I was kind of wondering. I was hoping they'd have the 350 out, and they said that they plan to. But now that the SBS is wrecked and they got a lot of work ahead of them, I don't know. Yeah, going to be interesting for sure. Uh, you know, so hopefully we get everybody back. Glad uh, that DJ was okay. That was, again, like your hit, um, that was just nasty. Uh, and, you know, again, kind of a weird circumstance there. Not exactly sure what happened, but, uh, you know, glad to see that uh, he ended up being okay because I was a little concerned as long as it took to uh, get him out of the car, you start wondering what's going on um our track safety crew i think is still the very best in the entire country of course and so they want to take their time if there's reason to but still you know um you you don't you don't take your time like that unless there's a reason to so i think we're all a little nervous for dj there and glad to hear that he was okay me too i was scared for a while and just ended up being a concussion and got released from the hospital and Really glad that he's planning on being here for Classic. Yeah, he'll have a couple weeks to kind of get himself straightened around, and um, hopefully he will kind of be, you know, in this day and age, I think, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. and now even Kurt Busch, um, you know, I think it it makes you aware of, okay, you know, I, I probably need to treat this seriously enough that before the next time I get in the car, I make sure that I kind of clear some sort of concussion protocol or whatever to make sure I'm totally all right. Cause you know, you never want to see uh, a recurrence or something worse in case, you know, a wreck happens again. So hopefully he'll be a hundred percent and be able to get in the car. And uh, cause he, again, he was having a nice run. Yeah, he really was. There's just so many good stories out of that class right now. It's been yeah. such a fun yeah, for sure. And I think there again, um, so you're thinking 26 to 28 of those? Definitely is doable. Maybe, you know, you know how it goes. Maybe yeah. we'll end up with 25. But yeah. 
I think the 28 is doable, yeah. Oof. Wow, that would be great for that class. Um, a few more than I might have thought, but that's that's great if, if we could do that. And like you said, if you're going to start them all, that's uh, that's also great because obviously, again, that makes traffic is what makes the long races uh, special um, to watch. Otherwise, you just get the fast guy out front and he just drives away. Uh, but, you know, you you um, you'll definitely have a really, really good race now for the for the 350 class um i mean again assuming everybody is is fixed and ready to go um i almost feel like we could see 25 or 26 of those too uh i hope so it's probably going to depend on new england but oh yes yeah we'll we'll see what happens i'm leaning more towards 21 22 you think okay um but uh, and even that would be still, again, with the quality of the competition, that would be a great race. Now, with the Super Modifieds, um, I know, again, basically it's um, they'll start everybody unless, uh, you know, we get a, an invasion of 40 or 45. Then I think probably they um, you go back and look at things. But uh, we don't see the possibility of that, I don't think. So um, do, do you honestly believe at this point, do we hit 30? No, probably not. That's what I would I would I think we're still going to I would say if we get 24 or 25, I think we're doing good. I I I hope I'm I hope I'm wrong and again, I'm not keen on car count as a you know, okay, well this will suck if we only have X amount. I'm just trying to be as accurate as I can and I I just feel like 24 25 is where we're at. What do you think? I think we'll have more than that. I'm thinking 28 or 29, okay. but not quite 30. Okay. Well, um It'll just it'll be interesting because I think we're going to need again some help from Ohio and New England. So we'll see, you know, we'll see where that comes from. Um, you know, there's there's just so many cars, and I and I know that one of the things that John had talked about was, you know, uh, John Nicotri had hoped that you know there would be sort of that reciprocal of you know the Oswego guys supporting the top wing shows and the ISMSS guys supporting the classic, um, but it. But gosh, it it it's it's just kind of interesting because then I I think Roy said it or somebody said it the other day, maybe it was online, that um, that I saw it that there there it's not guaranteed that even John's going to have a car there because you know they're still getting making repairs and doing whatever you would think that uh, perhaps the thirty nine car would be back, but I don't I mean what do you what do you know? Uh, they'll have both cars. I don't know who's driving the seven yet. They've okay. kind of kept it quiet, but they're both registered and signed up to practice on Thursday. We know it's not Tony Stewart. That much we can say. Uh, that was online. No. Somebody said you you need to get Tony Stewart. He said, "Well, I've tried to do that a hundred times. It just hasn't you know hasn't been uh, good for Tony." So uh, we know it isn't Tony Stewart. So um, you know, uh, could be anybody. Could be Otto. Could be could you know again? Could be anybody. John John. Um, it's. I don't think it is out of the realm for John to pull a celebrity, some sort of like a bigger name. Um, but uh, the only thing that would make me feel like that probably wouldn't happen is I almost think that about anybody that you'd pull, I mean, unless it's somebody like a Mike Lichty or something um, who already knows the track, knows the cars, they would want a week or two in the car, I would think, to kind of get, you know, up to speed because there aren't too many of the bigger guys that I could think of, um, 
you know, in any series, and I know obviously you're not going to NASCAR guy or whatever because they're, you know, they're racing. But um, I think most people would want to be, you know, capable of running up front and challenging for a win if the car is, which that car is. So, you know, I wouldn't think it would be anybody too mind-blowing, but but it would be interesting to, to see what they'll do. But it did sound like there was at least some question on the second car. So I guess we'll... We'll uh, we'll see if you say they're signed up for Thursday. That's a pretty good indicator that they're going to have them ready. So re- whether it'll be Otto or someone else in the car remains a mystery. But um, you know, we we obviously know that uh, the thirty nine car will be there, um, and you know, it should be. I mean, I would say that I think you know Jeff Abel and Dave Schillick maybe as favorites. But then after seeing what I saw Saturday night, I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet because Tyler Thompson went faster than a speeding bullet, and so did Dave Danzer. And if you start either one of those two up in the front, we already know what Tyler can do from the pole, uh, or from up front anyway. Um, and, uh, you know, it, I feel like the Classic is it's, it's just always one of those races with, with the current climate, and especially with tires, limited tires and whatever, Maybe it's kind of wide open at this point. Maybe there's you could say, well, there's some favorites on speed, but you know, classic really isn't a race about speed, especially if we get enough cars again to have at least a little bit of traffic for a while. Right. I think it's pretty much wide open right now, and um, you can look at the favorites for speed, and you look at the guys who have been up there before and know how to run this race. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it depends on what tires everybody gets yeah. and how they hold up and who chooses to burn their tires off the car and who chooses not to. So I think that maybe some of the fast guys might burn their tires up or break. We'll see. Um, I'm going to try and hopefully qualify in the top 10 and run a nice conservative first 160, 170 laps in the top 10 and then try to go. Yeah. Um, and I think that's going to be the way to play it, but I think you'll see a lot of guys have their tires burned off at the end and it'll probably be a dogfight to the finish the last 30 laps. Boy, I hope that's the case. I really do. I hope that's what happens. I I hope that everybody burns their tires off and we're and they're sliding around like they were racing on ice. I know the drivers would want to hear that, but as a fan, I want to see some drama to the finish and it's been a while since we've seen that in a classic. Yep. Um so I want to see some late race drama. And and I want to see some guys battling it out in the end. So I hope that's how it how it happens. So let me ask you this then. So we kind of know the Oswego regulars, but who should we look for who's not an Oswego regular in the in the super modified classic field? Who's coming in? Um, what do we know about outside entries here? Because everybody talks about a lot of guys, but then you know, till they file an entry, we don't know if they're coming or not. So who can we expect? Well, there's still a lot of entries coming in, but I know just guys that have confirmed that they're coming are Bobby Santos in the West car. If they can get motors testing, but yeah. they're planning on being here. Um, Joey Payne, Michael Muldoon, Mike Bruce, Mike McVetta, Allison, Ben Seitz, Bobby Bond, uh, Lulave Sr. will be out for the first time this year. Dave McKnight, Ryan Osadic, Mark Samet, Todd Stoll, Jerry Kern. Um, you may see Tyler Schulich. You may see the Stool 32, Russ Wood in the 41. I haven't heard about the Strong car. Um, Eric Iosu, probably not. They don't have that car together. Hal Tulip, he doesn't think so. Bill Sharkey's still waiting for his hip to heal. So there's uh, 
There's a few guys. Poor Sharp. Poor Shark. He's he, he's he's old enough now to have those, you know, like like me. Uh, the body just doesn't work like it used to. So he's yeah, he's got uh, he's got that. I hope we can get Billy out in 2023 because I really just want to so. see him get back on the track. Um, and we, we we continue to wish him well on his recovery. But uh, well, I mean, if all those people that you mentioned show up, then I can see 28, 29 cars. Um, just funny with some of them because you just never know. You know, and, know, until they actually get to the track, you know, um, I mean, the the 32 um, would be interesting. Would it be because uh, Mo Wilgie has been driving that right. Um, so, you know, would yeah. we would we see him in it or would somebody else be in it, um, you know, for the classic? Because there's no Isma show associated with it now. So would Danny put somebody else in it that's familiar with Oswego? You know, um, there's a few of those those things that that would um, I've heard Ben Sites obviously with the 44 car. Um, you know, I did not hear you mention John McKennedy. Um, and I man, I, I just so badly want to see him come and try and tackle a classic because I feel like John's kind of driver that could win the classic on, you know, on on management, um, if not on speed. Uh, and yet we never seem to get him up there. So I don't know what uh, he was up, what, three years ago, I think, once and did pretty good and then never showed up again. Right. He came with that same car a few yeah. years ago, and obviously it's new owners now, but he led the first several laps and then lost an engine. And I guess I just don't really get it, honestly, yeah. because he goes with this New England series and is racing against five or six cars, but yeah. didn't go to high miler or any of the wing challenge shows and has no interest in running the Oswego classic when he could literally probably win it. So that's yeah, kind of a, a head it's just, to me. Yeah. It's just interesting. I mean, I, and again, I don't want bad mouth anybody. Everybody obviously does what they want, but right. that's a situation where you feel like, like you said, he could actually go out and win the thing. And, yeah. And yeah. as good a driver as he is. Um, but I, you know, there's, there's a, there's a point where, and, and this is something I talked about over the weekend with somebody for for decades the international classic at the oswego speedway was absolutely the crown jewel if you had a super modified if you did nothing else all year with that car you were going to oswego for the classic because it was an event because it's the biggest event it's the richest event and and it was the indy 500 for the super modifieds now i still think it's all those things Right. But it seems like now it it is it has lost some of its reverence amongst the current crop of super modified owners and drivers, because, um, again, somebody like that, um, you know, you 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 if if you can win in a Swiggle Classic, that's as that's the highest, you know, with all again, with all due respect, Star Sandusky, whatever, um, you know, the Oswego Classic was always the 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 race that you wanted to, to shoot for. And I feel like for whatever reason, it's lost a little of that. And I understand travel costs. I understand all of that. I get it. But it but, you know, um, it, it just um, it's 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 uh, again a head scratcher. I think it's a good way to you know, I'm kind of disappointed in some of that because, gosh, we used to have people come from the Pacific Northwest to run that race. And again, I know times were different and whatever, but they came in probably knowing they weren't going to win, 
but they wanted to come in and try to compete. And, you know, it meant that much to them. Um, and it just uh, is kind of interesting that there are, you know, uh, a number of, of, of super modified teams um, who, you know, for whom that just isn't the case anymore, you know? So it's kind of different, but um, nonetheless, I still think it's going to be very competitive. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's fewer cars, but just like the racing this year during pretty much every feature, exactly 15, 16 cars, but 15 or 16 cars can win. So sure. it's, it's yeah. tough sledding right now. Well, that's the thing. And that's why, you know, like I said earlier, I don't, I don't, talk about car count as a negative or a positive so much i just i i i i just wonder like what would you have to do in order to you know to get more like how do we and of course the big thing i think is uh, you know um you can say well we need bigger purses all the time well maybe but i i think what you need to do is figure out why are you not getting consistent new blood into the into the big block division um you know what do we have to do in order for that to happen i think that's really where um where we need to be looking because you can have the biggest purses on the planet but if you're not getting a lot of new drivers into the class or new teams into the class then you know your long-term sustainability is 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 you know is in question so um those are some of the things that i hope that people are looking at with regard to the future and not just purse sizes or whatever. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely stoked for the classic. And I think, like you said, you know, the, the quality of the field, um, is going to be spectacular if not the quantity. And, um, I, I feel like it's kind of a wide open race. I am there, there, there isn't much about the current situation in the country that, is you know worth cheering about um but i actually don't mind the tire situation because uh again as a fan uh i feel like that just makes another variable that makes the race more interesting whereas if everybody can buy all the tires they want then the people that can afford the most tires and you know whatever are going to have you know obviously have be able to just go drive and do their thing i think this this presents an interesting challenge because like you said, you either run really hard in the beginning and then burn your tires off and hope you can pit and put one on or do something, or um, you manage your race car. Uh, and to me, I I've always liked the classic because I, it, it's more interesting to me to see somebody manage their car and win it than make a pit stop and put on a new tire halfway through and win it because you know, they're running it like 200 lap races versus, you know, the Swifts and the furlongs of the world, um, you know, and the champagnes or whoever that won it. Um, they didn't pit for tires. They, they managed the car and, and, and ran it like a 200 lap race. So it's kind of a, just the difference in approaches. It is. Yeah. And, and now <laughs> I think that after what we saw a couple of years ago with Tyler and you talk about approach, I don't know if that's, <laughs> possible again he tried anymore (laughs) especially this year on the tires yeah and you know what it's you're right because the tire situation isn't all that great but it may make for a very dramatic riding so i mean i hope i'm not skating all over the place but (laughs) it'll make it exciting for everybody (laughs) as i said i'm not trying to like you know i understand you guys would feel differently than me but um you know as a fan i want to see some drama i want to see this not be a boring race i want to see you know i don't want to see 
any of you, um, even you, uh, you know, get get out in the lead and 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 have nobody challenge. Um, that just isn't to me what what makes the classic classic. I want to see some strategy. I want to see you know, and I want to see some things that 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 leave the ending in question until we get down to it. Um, you know, and and I think this year you have the chance to 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 see that not only with the amount of cars who are fairly equal in. Um, I'll call it racing speed, um, you know, but um, but also with the tire variable, um, you know, I think that I think it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting weekend. Now, there's one thing we need to talk about that we we haven't with regard to classic weekend. And we can obviously next week get into a little bit more of this, but I at least want to uh, we'll talk about the modifieds on, on next week's show. But um, obviously we've got, uh, the Dave London Memorial and Jody's whole weekend of things. Um, uh, talk a little bit about what that is. I, I contacted Jody about being on, um, and hopefully it maybe next week we'll get him on, but, um, but I, I feel like, um, he's going to add as much excitement to the weekend as anything else we've talked about. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And just the job that he's done promoting, not only his events, but classic weekend at Oswego as a whole is really pretty cool and just (laughs) nobody can question his passion that's for sure and it's a special deal this year because it's DLM super stock sanctioned Dave London Memorial that's the first time that that's happened it's no longer a New York super stock race so it's completely Jody's deal it'll be 50 laps this year uh the New York compacts will be 20 laps and it's a pretty cool day for the fans really on friday because we'll start practice at 11 just do a quick two rounds from 11 to 1 for the supers sbs and 350s have the time trials at two and then everybody will clear out they'll bring in the super stocks and compacts at four o'clock and go right into practice shortly thereafter racing at 6 45 and kind of some full fendered friday night lights so that'll yeah. be that'll be neat and it's it was really entertaining last year and um I had fun standing up on the sky deck and watching those super stock guys go at it. It's got to be the most lucrative super stock race in the country. It just has to be. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we have what we have, Cam, um, take notes here. Cause I'll, I'll give this one to you. We have the, um, let's see the full fender Friday night, like Friday night frenzy. That's what we have. Um, wow. so okay. yeah, full fendered Friday night frenzy. Um, and I, I suspect that will be accurate because there's always a lot of action in the super stocks and I love the compacts too. I just, yeah, you know, it's, that's a great night of racing and any that now there, but there's another, uh, super stock invitational on Saturday. Is there not? So Saturday is kind of an interesting day because we in the past, we've had the wing supers yeah. and the NEMA, yeah. CQs. Um, so we wanted to do something different this year and wanted to try and include Jody in it. And that's just a big money dash for cash. They're calling it the Black 16, and it's 16 <laughs> laps. And um, I'll post. I'm gonna. I talked to Jody earlier, and he's gonna give me all the purses and the logos, and the rosters for both days, and we'll post. So look at the Speedway social media. But really cool because not only are they doing the Dave London Memorial and the compact championship on Friday? Everybody can come back for Saturday and have a chance at the dash for cash, the black 16, then the New York state compact championship, 12 left dash for cash. And that'll just run alongside the, the NASCAR wheel and modified. So kind of a quick shortened 
program for Saturday. Okay. But it'll be nice to have the super stocks and the compacts part of it again. And the modifieds always put on a good show. I know some people don't like the the modifieds. Like my grandpa says, oh, the modifieds. I don't want to go on Saturday. And it's like, oh, you don't know what you're missing. Last year, Matt Hirschman, he put on a show. I mean, yes, that was he my did. favorite part of Classic Weekend, watching Matt Hirschman restart and last and drive all the way up to third at the end. It was one of the best drives at a Swiggle Speedway I've ever seen. They don't mirror race. They don't block. It's not like a typical boring modified track. Modified racing at a swiggle is fun. Every once in a while, they get your bad race from any division. But don't skip the modifieds on Saturday. It's always a good race. Well, yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, it's they um, and I like actually the lighter schedule around them because hopefully, um, you know, that might uh, get everybody out of you know, out of the, 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 uh, you know, get the show over earlier so everybody can, can spend a little more time, you know, out in the campers, uh, partying and doing whatever, and then, uh, get a good night's sleep for Sunday. Um, and even Friday night, I feel like with the super stocks and the compacts starting everything earlier, hopefully again, doesn't make that a midnight or 1am kind of night either. And if the weather cooperates, then, you know, that's a nice schedule, for classic weekend, I think versus, you know, I think there've been, there've been years where it's great to have eight or nine classes, but you leave yourself no wiggle room whatsoever. If something goes wrong or you have a weather delay um, and it just backs you up to the point where um, everybody gets exhausted because you're at the track till, you know, one or two in the morning. And um, right. so I, lo- I love the schedule the way it is this year. And Jody has earned, I would really like to see, the sportsmen end up on the classic weekend schedule at some point. Um, and maybe that's the secret. Maybe you got to change the date, get them off of July 4th, put them on classic weekend. And maybe we'll stop having to cancel that doggone show. <laughs> I feel so bad. Oh. It's just like, that's the show that just doesn't seem to want to happen. That's yeah, just brutal. I mean, it'd be cool to have kind of like an all modified deal on Saturday. You yeah. got the sportsman and then the, the tour match. Yeah. I I would be I would think that would be great. I wonder, you know, if you'd see any of the you know the the big the big guys like Hirschman or whoever uh, also running a a sport mod. I think it would be interesting to see what would happen if they did that. So you know, I'll just throw that out there, and 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 those who are uh, actually in charge of it can do with it what they will. But um, should be a fun weekend, and we'll obviously talk even more about it next week, and maybe share some classic memories or whatever. But uh, great to see that you are uh, going to be back, and um, you know, it seems like we could have a nice field in all three classes. Uh, plus what Jody's bringing to the weekend. That would be fun. Uh, Three-track champions crowned. It is unbelievable that the regular season's over. Where did this year go? Oh, every year it seems like we say yeah, that. It's it's incredible, really. Well, um, appreciate you taking an hour with us here, Cam, and, and uh, look forward to next week. Um, and, you know, kind of we'll have more, obviously, entries, and uh, you can start talking about – you know, who's going to be on the practice days and, and, uh, and such. So, uh, I just posted that. So if you want to see the classic testing schedule, it's out there. Oh, there you go. Okay. Well, we'll, yeah, go ahead. People can look at it and then we'll, we'll dive into it, uh, next week. Cause obviously we'll probably have more additions as, uh, yeah. things get closer. Oh, yeah, right. Sure. Uh, and then we'll talk about the, some of the pre-classic events as well. So, um, 
appreciate it. And uh, thanks for again coming on and uh, helping us to keep up with what's going on up there. Thanks, Tom. That is Camden Proud back with more of the groove. We're going to talk about the number 06 right after this. Okay, folks, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here on Inside Groove, Indie Performance Composites. They're a premier composite design and manufacturing company creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Jeff West and his team are amazing. They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks to NASCAR to IndyCar, super modifieds. It doesn't matter if you've got something that you need designed or fabricated. Let them help you transform your idea, your vision and your budget into a workable, high performance solution. They have all kinds of services from 3D printing to finishing services End-to-end composite solutions is what they are. Check them out, ipcindy.com or indieperformancecompositesinc.com and tell them that the folks from Inside Groove set you. Welcome back to The Groove, episode 106. Hope you enjoyed that uh, conversation with Camden. And boy, have we got a lot to focus on running up to the classic we've got pre-classic events we can talk about we've got um all kinds of stuff really that uh we can continue to talk about some of it obviously we touched on with cam but uh you know it's uh it's gonna be a big weekend i just hope the weather's good and everybody can enjoy it okay so let's get to what's in a number actually before we do that let me just say uh, a quick word about our three sponsors that we have for this show. Of course, uh, Rich Worth and the folks at JNS Paving, they are absolutely the Beethoven of blacktop. If you need any type of uh, blacktop work done, paving work done, uh, there's a whole bunch of things they can do. Um, just get a hold of Rich. And talk with him, and uh, and and they'll come out and do it. Uh, they are fantastic at what they do. Very conscientious and want to make sure that the job is done right. And uh, they do it for a very fair price. They'll treat you like family. Um, Skip's Fish Fry and LaGroff's Pub, Sean Cathcart and his entire staff are just fantastic people. Listen, uh these these sponsors, um, Jeff West and his crew at IPC Indy as well, these sponsors are businesses that are owned by people uh, with families and who employ uh, people who have families and such. And all of them are ardent supporters of super modified racing and the Oswego Speedway in particular. So um, it is really important that um, we all support those businesses who support Oswego and Supermodified Racing. If you're hungry and it's lunch or dinner time, go to Skip's. Um, if you're looking for uh, an opportunity to go out and enjoy a nice evening, um, well, go to a Groff's Pub. Go eat at Skip's, then go to a Groff's and hang out. Um, you know, if you need fabrication work or any type of engineering work that Jeff West can do, um, reach out to him uh, or to the folks at Indy Performance Composites. They 
the, the, the list of services that they perform, go to their website. It's incredible um, what they do. And they have worked in all levels of motorsport. And so uh, please support them. And of course, um, Rich Worth and the folks at JNS Paving as well. We really need in this climate, in this, you know, economic mess that we're all in in the country. It's important that we, more than ever, it's important that we support the sponsors who support motorsports. So please do um, support them on a regular basis. Um, Okay, what is in a number today? The number is 06. And as I think about this, uh, the very first 06 I remember at Oswego, I think, was Joe Paino. Uh, and I think if I've got Joe's story correct, I think he started out as a corner man. He might've been on the safety crew prior to being a corner man. I'm not sure, but I think he ended up as a corner man. Maybe the first turn. I'm not sure. But then, uh, he became, of course he was a city fireman. He became, uh, a driver in maybe 74, perhaps and i'm trying to think um i believe that the first car he had was the old nolan swift upright car the the car that was the convertible for swifty the the back in the 60s when the super modifieds first came in nolan swift was the first local driver i believe to actually take the body off his modified sportsman car um and and just kind of you know you're racing the chassis at that point uh, is 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 what it was and i think he did that for a number of years till he he built uh his first super modified and then uh i think gosh uh that car I think maybe one of the Jarrett's, maybe Dick Sr. had it. And I don't know if Dick Jr. drove it. Uh, I think maybe Jim Muldoon, for some strange reason, I remember seeing in a program one time that maybe Jim Muldoon drove it for a bit. And then Ronnie Madison got a hold of it, and he was the one... Um. That was, I think he drove it in 72, maybe. And then Ronnie Graves, I think was the, the, I don't believe I ever saw Ron race that car. I think Ronnie Graves was the, the one who was racing it when, uh, the first time I knew about it. And I think that might've been 73 for Ronnie Graves. And I think Madison still owned it. And then, so I'm, I would guess that if I'm right about this, I think Paino bought that car from Madison and that was his first car. He rebuilt it completely. It looked nothing like it uh, had in the past. And Joe ran pretty good with it, given its age and his inexperience. Joe showed some talent. And then, um, I don't know, I don't know where that car went after he was done with it, but he, but I know he built one. Uh, of his own and when he built his car which I don't know maybe 75 76 again I'm not quite clear on the years but 
when he built his own car, that car ran really good. He did a good job with that car. It looked beautiful, um, really good workmanship. And uh, Joe came into his own as a driver in that car and then sold that to, oh boy, um, Tony Naraki maybe. Did Tony buy it? I think, maybe. Um, and uh, no, man, no, I don't think he did. Who bought it? Gosh, what was the guy's name? I don't think Tony bought that car. I'm trying to think. Tony bought, I think Tony bought Don Whalen's 05, which was the Winx 22, which was the Austin Brothers 71. I'm trying to think who the gentleman was that bought Joe's car. I can't think of his name, but um, Joe ended up going and Joe ended up getting the uh, Warren Conium had bought a car for 1977 from Kempton Dates. And Warren uh, ran it, Kempton built it. Warren ran it as the 46 for about half the year, then ended up in the McKnight 6 when Dave McKnight Sr. traded John Spencer for Conium um, mid-season. And then Joe bought that car. And, uh, or or wait, hang on, Del Meeks bought it. (laughs) I don't want to get out of myself. And Meeks ran it for the rest of the 77 season. And then Joe bought it um, into 78. And I think that's how that worked out. Uh, And so that car was the green car that Joe had. And it was the last car that I think Joe owned. Now, Joe drove uh, a couple of other cars over the course of his career. He drove the Ernie and Bob June 59 early in the 70s, maybe 74, 75 for a bit. And then he drove uh, for, for, I think he drove for Steve Miller and maybe twice. I'm not sure. I don't know if he ever drove the uh, the Sweet 16 that Steve has restored, but I know he drove the the offset car that Steve built. I think he might have had two stints in it. but um, But I know he did at least for one stint and ran pretty good with it. And then also drove for Kemp Dates. Joe started the 80... 84 or 85 season maybe whichever um and then he didn't stay in the car long and then uh, i think it was after that that doug daydaro got in it so um joe had a number of rides but the 06 is what he was most known for and um and now that I'm thinking about it, I'm wondering if John Sheridan, because I remember John ran his 06, and I'm wondering if that actually was Joe's old car. Um, but I don't think it was because Joe was still running 06 at the time. So I, I, there's there's another driver in there. Whoever bought Joe's car that he built in the mid-70s, um, I'll probably think of it after I finish this segment. That's usually what happens. But um, somebody can fill in that blank. So there you go. Um John Sheridan had had 06 for a bit, and I, I think Andy Macrath drove John's car a bit, and I think uh, wasn't there, there was, there was, uh, no, not Dave Carr, um, Jack Carr, Jack Carr, I think, was, was also 06, I don't remember what car that would have been, I'd have to think about that one a bit, but, um, but Jack Carr, I think, was 06, I don't know if his son ever drove it or not, but he had, um, I think Jack had a couple of drivers, maybe Bobby Smith a little bit in the car. Um, And I feel like there was somebody else too that might've driven it a few times, but Jack was 06. Um, I don't think we've had an 06 lately. Have we? 
Watch, I'm, I'm, this is going to be my next uh, Jack Patrick moment, I know. Um, I, don't think we, I don't think we've added 06 recently, um, at least in the Supers. Like I said, I think uh, Barry Kingsley ran it in the 350s. He, um, he painted his car uh, identically. He, that was basically a tribute car that he, he still has it, I believe. Tribute car to, um, to Joe, that, that beautiful green. Um, so... But but Joe was just amazing. I remember um, I remember seeing Joe somewhere, um, and I think it was right. Uh, gosh, I think I'm trying to remember where I saw him. This would have been when he he had the 06, the green car. So it probably would have been, you know, 78, maybe 79, whatever. Um. And it might have even been 80, but but because I remember uh, asking him if he was going to race the classic and he shook his head no. So I don't know, maybe because he ran, I think he ran right up to 79 or 80 with that car. And um, but there was one year, whatever it was that I talked to him a little bit, he didn't have a classic ride. Um, so um but Joe was just, uh, he was just a great guy. Just a really nice guy. Very, very good racer. I always thought that if he was one of those drivers that you just knew, if somebody big, you know, if a good enough sponsor got behind him so he could afford, you know, the, the, the motor and the car to kind of keep up with the times because he kind of, you know, he was, he was one of several. The whole Kemp Dates deal was a little funky well, not funky. That's the wrong word. It was it was really a weird moment in time because there was I think it was in '76 that Kemp started building all those cars for everybody, and he built like six or seven of them. And you know, sitting in the pits was the radical offset eight ball that was basically going to one up the game, right? So all those cars that Kemp built were great cars that were competitive with all the other eight inch offsets. In fact, you know, I would argue they were probably the top of the line at that point for the eight inch offsets. But as soon as Jimmy started running the, the 18 incher, the, 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 the actual radical offset front engine he had in 77, the minute that car hit the track and, and, you know, we saw what it could do. Basically everybody that bought those dates cars bought, they didn't know it, of course, and it wasn't, there was no dishonesty. There was no, it was just the way it happened. The the car that was going to basically, you know, one up the, the design game was, was already, already built and, um, and already in the pits. And so that was a strange, uh, a strange deal. And it was unfortunate for a lot of those guys, because I thought that some of the guys that bought those cars um, really you know, could have done great things, but the minute Jimmy unleashed that offset, it was over game over. Um, you know, those guys were, you know, were second place cars at that point. Um, and then of, of course, uh, kept build his own offset. And, um, you know, honestly, I might've thought that in that time, I, I wonder what might've happened if Kemp might've stayed a year or two longer with his own, car if if he would have had another run of of people wanting him to build offset cars because he built beautiful cars Kemp always built beautiful race cars and you know he always knew what the cars could do 
Um, and when he, you know, when he built you a car, he told you what you needed to do to go fast. And, and if you did what he told you to do, you went fast. You know, he was, he was, he was a great builder in that sense. Um, so I, I wonder what might've happened had he stayed, he retired after the end of what? 78. So he had one year with his offset and sold it to Dean Hogue, who was a rookie and Dean didn't run badly with it. But again, there wasn't enough time to establish the dates offset as being, you know, um, so I, I wonder what might've happened, but, um, you know, it, uh, it certainly would have been interesting to see if he had gotten a, a run of orders to build offset cars, in that time period. So, but um, at any rate, that's the best I could do with those six. Joe Paino was, again, I think the guy that I remember the most, and it isn't that any of the other guys who drove it weren't good people or whatever, but um, gosh, Joe was, I feel like Joe was one step away from, from being among the elite racers at the Speedway. If he just had a little more money to have the resources and been able to to show what he could really do with a car, um, I think Joe would have would have been as good as anybody. And and I think uh, I remember seeing something that Joe started out working with Jimmy Champagne back in the day before he ever drove. He was would go out of town with Jimmy or whatever and help him. So when you learn from the master, you know that's that's you know that's where you're at. So um, it was it was fun to see uh, Joe with a green machine, but of course it was Del Meeks prior to that. Um, beautiful car. Dell flipped it in the classic, uh, and just for whatever reason, decided not to continue racing. So, uh, when Joe had the opportunity to buy the car, he did. And, uh, he ran it for, you know, two, three years. And then, um, I think that was the one that went to, uh, Bill. Is it McConnell? I think it's McConnell, that yellow 56 and that car doggone it. Um, and Larry Trinka will correct me on this somewhere in, in, on Facebook, uh, that car, uh, I don't know. I, I can't remember what I know. Larry, Larry did so much work trying to chase down that car to, to see if that car was still, you know, together and available or whatever, just, just to know about it. And it, it, it was, you know, like a, 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 a scavenger hunt trying to find you know bill bill the the whereabouts of that car you know um the car was kind of like waldo it's like where's waldo um and i i think that he did get some answers and i can't remember if the car was if he said the car was was gone or or whatever but um that was just i remember he painted the car a beautiful yellow that was just such a nice looking car when Bill had it and um, you know, I don't know that Bill ever went too fast with it or whatever, but he raced it a while. I don't know what his history was. I don't know if he's TQ racer. There were a lot of those guys from Western New York that were TQ racers or race modifieds or whatever before, but I don't remember. I don't know Bill's history, but uh, I think that's where that car went was to McConnell and um, Larry will have to um, be the, the person to fill us all in on what he found out. But um it's just uh that was for the longest time that was a big mystery is is uh figuring out uh what what the deal was with that car and i think i think he was the last one that had it so um you know i think that uh that's how that was so awesome stuff and uh again um 
you know, Joe was Joe Paina was great. So there's uh, what's in the number zero six. And uh, man, I, I could spend another hour talking about stuff coming up to classic, but we're going to save that for next week's show. We'll do a little bit of um, sort of reminiscing about classics past or whatever, and um, have a little fun leading up to classic week and weekend. And um, no matter what, it's classic, right? So um, I'll say for now, thanks for uh Listening to the episode 106 of the Inside Groove, it has been a blast. And uh, we'll look forward to next week's show as we... So, uh, again, thank you all for listening. Please share the show. We always want new people in our audience here. So uh, share it so we get new Super Modified fans. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks again to all of our sponsors. Please frequent those sponsors. They all need your help. So have a great day and a great weekend, everybody. And we'll talk to you on episode 107. And boy, will that be a fun what's in the number, right? Uh, So until then, I'm Tom Baker. So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indie creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliate, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.